In his first temper tantrum of 2024, Hunter Biden storms out of his own contempt hearing on Capitol Hill. Plus, in yet another indicator that journalism is dead, so-called reporters were caught on a hot mic joking about Donald Trump being assassinated. Sick and wrong, but totally on brand. The show starts now. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. You know, the worst part is, even if he has and he's hanging out of it, he'll be on the other side of the <laughs> I mean, if he's driving, we've got a good shot. Yeah, if he's driving with the front window open. Yeah. Or if it's a convertible. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't thinking about that. Yeah. Like if he just pulls up by like himself a yeah. It's like a JFK, a Lincoln. No, Maybe someone just like they told JFK, you know what you should do? You should take a convertible. It's so nice out. Just listen to that, would you? And there's a reason we call it the fake news media, and there's a reason we don't trust it, because so-called journalists were casually laughing about Trump being assassinated JFK-style. Look, I don't care what side of the political divide you're on. That's beyond atrocious. And if it were the other way around, and journalists joked about a Democrat being assassinated, well, heads would roll. This from the same media mob that spent all last weekend literally sobbing about January 6th and the violence, insurrection, and threats to democracy they covered. Oh, give me a break. But speaking of things I and likely you need a break from, icky Nikki. Yes, icky lying Nikki. So, Governor, uh, Governor DeSantis is hitting you for claiming the retirement age is, quote, way, way too low. He said, quote, I don't know why she's saying that. So are you saying that? Where do I you have stand never that? once said that. 65 is way too low, and we need to increase that. We need to do it according to life expectancy. <laughs> Oh, Icky Nikki seems to have many bouts of convenient amnesia, and that's likely because she's not guided by morals or principles, but rather who will cut her the biggest check. And I have a bone to pick with Twitter slash X because Icky Nikki keeps coming up in the For You section of my feed. And honestly, it's traumatizing me because I don't remember adjusting my settings and preferences to neocon, rhino, warmonger, or ammunition high heels. But we are less than a week away from the Iowa caucuses, and with any luck, Icky Nikki will get the humbling she certainly deserves. 
Joining me now to discuss that and so much more is author and political strategist Corey Lewandowski. Corey, before we get into Iowa, I do want to talk about some of the biggest news, at least of today, and that's Hunter Biden and his brief appearance <laughs> for his contempt hearing. I want to play a clip and then I want to get your reaction immediately on the other side. Uh, excuse me, Hunter. Apparently, you're afraid of my words. Uh, here <laughs> oh, I like to reclaim my time, Mr. Chairman. Wow, that's too bad. <laughs> I think it's clear and obvious for everyone watching this hearing today that Hunter Biden is terrified of strong conservative Republican women because he can't even face my words as I was about to speak to him. What a coward. Corey, is Hunter Biden afraid of strong conservative women? Look, the only thing Hunter Biden is not afraid of is Chinese influence, money pouring into his bank accounts from around the world and sharing 10% with the big guy. Tommy, Hunter Biden should have been held in contempt of Congress immediately when he didn't show up for a two, two authorized subpoenas. And this notion that we have to have a hearing to decide and the theater that Hunter Biden shows up here just to get some media attention with his attorney, Abby Lowell, is outrageous to me. Let's do what was suggested. Nancy May said we should arrest him on the spot. They have the power to do that. I think they probably should have done that. And what we've seen from others, like my friend Peter Navarro, like Steve Bannon, like others, when you are held in contempt of Congress, they, have the, they, they potentially put you in jail. So why do you think Republicans are slow walking this? Because, you know, I really like Comer. I obviously really like Jim Jordan, everybody that's been going after this, everybody that's been relentlessly in pursuit of the impeachment inquiry, getting to the bottom of the Biden family business dealings. You know, I think that they have done a good job of piling up evidence, but it still feels like they're scared to really be cutthroat. Democrats not scared to be cutthroat. Democrats trying to take Trump off the ballot. Democrats indicting Donald Trump four times. You name it, they've done it. Why are Republicans so head shy? I really think, Tommy, that they believe, the Republicans believe, if they do this slowly and meticulously, methodically, at some point, the mainstream media is going to come around and just admit that they have been wrong the entire time. We know that's not the case. We know the media never came back and said the Hunter Biden laptop was real when they told us all the time it wasn't real. We, I believe that Jim Jordan and, and Comer think that they're trying to win the hearts and minds of the media so the American people will see what we already know is that Hunter Biden has used his last name along with his uncle to sell influence to at minimum a former U.S. senator, his father, a former vice president, his father, and now the president of the United States. We all know that. The American people know it to be true, but going so slowly here is hurting the process. Let's have some accountability and let's bring this fight directly to Joe Biden because that's where it ultimately ends. Yeah, you know, I think you're right about that. I, I know that they're trying to stack up the evidence, but I don't think that they're going to curry any favor with the media anytime soon because the media doesn't like them, never is going to like them, never is going to cover this fairly. So it's time to just be cutthroat like the Democrats are and stop slow walking this because we're not scoring any points with anybody by letting Hunter run all over them. Honestly, he's a coward, but he's also making them look a little cowardly, if I'm to be frank about it. But I want to talk about, we mentioned briefly, the ballot issue going to the Supreme Court. 
You know, I obviously believe that Donald Trump will be on the ballot. I believe the Supreme Court will do the right thing. But how much do you think this is going to politically hurt or help Donald Trump to go through what is going to be yet another legal issue? Well, I believe I, I agree with you. I think the Supreme Court's going to look at this matter and they're going to determine that Donald Trump has not only never been convicted of the charge of insurrection, but he's never been charged with it. So for this arbitrary and capricious individual in Maine and other places to say we're going to keep Donald Trump off the ballot is just outrageous and it sets a very dangerous pre precedent. My larger concern, Tommy, is that the Supreme Court comes back and they're not unified on this. It is an eight to one decision or a seven to two decision to put Donald Trump on the ballot. We will then see the politicalization, the further politicalization of the state of the U.S. Supreme Court. And what we'll see probably is the most liberal justices saying, well, we agree that in principle, Donald Trump did commit an insurrection. And so this should be a state's rights issues. It's not. I think this is a matter that the Supreme Court needs to weigh in on immediately. It should be a 9-0 decision. We should put this behind us. And if we're not going to do that, then let's start looking at the states where we have Republican governors, Republican secretaries of state who can then determine if Joe Biden, who many could argue has committed crimes against our Constitution by leaving our borders wide open, which is supposed to protect us against all enemies, both foreign and domestic, could be considered ineligible to run for president. If we're getting to that criteria, we're going to be in a very precarious position in this country. I'm glad you brought up national security. I mean, it's haunting, really, not surprising, but haunting, really, that our president, our commander in chief, didn't know that his secretary of defense was in the hospital. They've lied to us about this. It was an elective surgery. Now we know it's treatment for prostate cancer. Just how vulnerable do you think that leaves us? And are you surprised at all at the White House and their spokespeople's really horrible, I guess, justification for all of this? It's par for the course, but it's still a little, a little troubling to say the least. Well, Tommy, what's troubling to me also is that Joe Biden was in St. Croix when all of this happened. So what we now know was a, he was out of the country on vacation. B, he never spoke to his secretary of defense for a week. This guy is at Walter Reed Hospital. It's not like, you know, a hospital that the military doesn't run. Nobody knows he's there, allegedly. His deputy doesn't know. No one at the White House knows. No one in the White House tried to talk to the secretary of defense for a week while this guy is stationed at Walter Reed. No one said, hey, let's give him a call on a secured line somewhere and have a conversation. That's amazing to me. And what we're now seeing is they're going to launch an internal investigation to make sure that procedures going forward are followed. Well, his chief of staff supposedly didn't know about it. The deputy secretary didn't know about it. How is that possible? And what it tells me, Tommy, is that President Biden is, is not running this country. The bureaucrats surrounding him, those professional staffers and others are running this country. Somebody knew about this and they don't want to let us know who that really was. But we, I agree with one thing. Joe Biden didn't know about it because Joe Biden doesn't know where he is at any given moment of the day. It feels like they almost want him to be on vacation because that's easier when he's on vacation. He's done a lot of vacationing, as we know, his daily schedule. I mean, it's 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 easier than what one would expect from the third grade. Um, but beyond that, the national security implications here are really, really stunning. I have to wonder, though, I don't think Joe's in charge either. 
And I think that there are a lot of professional staffers behind the scenes, but I still feel like the Obamas are pulling a lot of the strings here. We've got Michelle Obama trotting out this week with her high pony, talking about how she's worried about 2024 and it keeps her up at night. I quite frankly think they're worried that Joe's not going to get reelected because then they can't pull the strings anymore. And that to me tells me everything I need to know about who's really running the government. And I think it's still the Obamas. Well, look, what do we see? We see that uh, David Axelrod, one of the closest advisors to the Obamas, had been on the record now criticizing the Biden campaign, saying you aren't doing enough to combat what Donald Trump is doing. We saw a poll come out in Michigan just yesterday that says Donald Trump is wiping the floor with Joe Biden in a critical uh, battleground state of Michigan. The Obamas know that their power is slipping away. They got away with Joe Biden living in his basement in the last campaign, he's not gonna have that opportunity again. And every day that Joe Biden is in front of the American people, they're losing. This, uh, you never hear about Bidenomics anymore. You never hear uh, of any of the successes because there are none. And so the Obama family who wants to continue to maintain control of the federal government, that's why they continue to have a home in Washington, DC, wants Joe Biden in there so they can basically have another four years of being the president. They are pulling all the strings, we're seeing it over and over, and Joe Biden doesn't even realize it. Do you think there's a chance that Michelle Obama jumps into this race, maybe convention time, and decides, hey, listen, we wanted to let Joe do it because then we could do our Spotify podcast and go on yachts, and it's easier that way, but now Joe might lose, so now Michelle's got to kind of pinch hit for Joe. you think that that's in the realm of possibility? I don't think so. But what I do find very interesting is that Bill Clinton and Gavin Newsom are together in Mexico right now enjoying some vacation time. I don't think that's an accident either. I don't think that's coincidental. Uh, what's amazing to me is that they've chosen to go down to Mexico where, you know, Americans are getting murdered down there all the time and they're allowing our border just to be overrun with criminals. And that's where they choose to go and have a uh, a private soiree, a private conversation. So look, I think the next in line is Gavin Newsom. I really believe that. I think Michelle would have a very difficult time beating Gavin. And I think Obama also knows that. So is there a slight possibility that uh, Joe Biden is not on the ticket come November? I think it is slight, but these polls should give them immense concern because every battleground state that we're seeing across the country right now, Donald Trump continues to dominate. These guys are afraid and they're looking for that off ramp. They just don't know what to do with Joe. Yeah, I agree on that. And I do agree that I have said from the beginning, I think it's going to be Gavin Newsom. Really interesting after all the Epstein stuff comes out that Gavin Newsom would think it was politically appropriate to go on vacation with Bill Clinton. I mean, I guess Democrats think they can get away with whatever. Same guy who went maskless to the French laundry during the height of COVID when he told everybody else to stay home. I don't expect a lot from Gavin Newsom. But here's my concern. Corey, do you trust the polls? Do you think these polls that are coming out showing Trump beating Biden in swing states, showing Trump beating him in the general election, do you think that those are maybe overhyped to make Republicans feel more comfortable, maybe even complacent and maybe not as aware and activated as we should be? Because that's the concern that I still have. Absolutely, Tommy. Look, here's the deal, right? We know the media is not our friend. And all of a sudden, they're, they're, they're perpetuating these polls that show Donald Trump is winning everywhere. And we say, wow, that's amazing. Look how great we're doing. You know what that does? That actually pushes down and suppresses Republicans because they say, Donald Trump's going to win. I don't have to go out and show up and vote, right? The truth is, don't believe any of the polls. 
Go out and work like you're 10 points behind. Do I think we can beat uh, Joe Biden in Michigan, Wisconsin? Absolutely. Do I think we can beat him in Georgia and Arizona? You bet. Do I think we're going to beat him in North Carolina? I do. Do I think Donald Trump's going to be the next president of the United States? Yes. Do I think he's going to win by eight or 10 or 12 points? Absolutely not. This is going to be a nail-biting election. It's going to come down to three states. 100,000 people in those three battleground states are going to make the difference of who the next president of the United States is. And what do we see when the poll came out? Gretchen Whitmer beats Donald Trump in the state of Michigan. Well, that's great, but she's not running for president. And so, look, there's always that fake narrative. But I believe the media is perpetuating these polls. So we have this false sense of security that Donald Trump is going to win this thing. As we tighten, right, we're in January. As this race gets closer, you're going to see all of the media uh, telling us how great Joe has been, how great our economy is doing, how he pledges to bring people together, how he promises to close the border. And he's going to be an amazing unifier of this country for the next four years. And Donald Trump is too crazy. They are they run this narrative every four years the exact same way. They told us Donald Trump could never beat Hillary Clinton and he beat her. Then they told us that Joe Biden was the greatest campaigner in the history of America and he got more votes than Barack Obama did. And look what happened. So we're in for a battle. Donald Trump is going to be the Republican nominee. And in November of this year, we're going to have a new president. And he's going to be the same guy who was the president when it was the 45th president of the United States. That's Donald Trump. So speaking of the polls, though, do you think that there's some of that going on within the own Republican primary caucus season with Donald Trump being ahead by so much in all of these states, Iowa, New Hampshire, all of them showing Trump having, you know, such a significant lead over the rest, showing now Nikki Haley in second and Ron DeSantis in third? I find that hard to believe because why anyone would vote for Nikki Haley is still confusing to me, but I tend to believe that, especially in Iowa, things are a little closer than the polls would suggest. Or do you think Donald Trump's got that much of a commanding lead over this process? Well, I was in Iowa last week and I saw firsthand, you know, the people who were supporting Donald Trump. Ron DeSantis was right down the road. He had 40 people in a in a diner. And uh, the only reason they were there is because they get free Chick-fil-A and free food and free pizza ranch. So look, I think Donald Trump does have a commanding lead in Iowa. Here's the problem, Tommy. When we look at next Monday right now, the weather forecast has the high of 10 and a low of minus 15. You have to show up at the caucuses. These are very small environments where people come out and they publicly state who they're supporting. And so there's a lot of work to still do. I am very hopeful that the Trump campaign continues to keep their foot on the gas there. Donald Trump is there a lot over the next five days. So they've done a very good job of organizing those caucus captains. But weather does have an impact. When you come here to New Hampshire, it's a different place. Independents, unaffiliated, they can vote in the primaries if you can pull a Republican ballot. And what we're seeing from the establishment, from the neocons, from those same people who told us that Jeb Bush would have been a fantastic president, is they're pushing Nikki Haley in New Hampshire because they believe if she can exceed expectations in Iowa and come in second, it gives her an opportunity to come here to New Hampshire and compete with Donald Trump. This state is a state that Donald Trump has always done very well in. I expect nothing different on on January 23rd here for Donald Trump. Corey, why do people like Nikki Haley? I know you mentioned the neocons and the rhinos, but they can't make up that that many poll, you know, answerers. They, they, they can't make up that many people. Why hey, Tommy, are people liking story. Nikki Haley? It's the same story when they sold us on a guy like Mitt Romney. Oh, he's a moderate. He can win an election. Oh, he's 
He will unify everybody. He might have been the single worst Republican candidate for president in basically our lifetime, our nominee. He was terrible. He argued that because he came from a blue state, he could win voters. It wasn't true. Nikki, and you played the clip, has no backbone. No backbone. She has no central point of uh, philo ph philosophical perspective that she has stuck with. It is whatever is convenient. What did she say when she was in Iowa last week? I'm one person in Iowa. I'm someone different in New Hampshire. That's the true Nikki Haley. You need to listen to candidates. When they tell you something, you should believe them. That's who she is. She will tell anybody anything. She sold her soul out to become the UN ambassador. And then she went to the boards of Boeing and all these corporate executives, uh, all these corporations to make a whole bunch of money so that she could be part of the military industrial complex. We know that Nikki Haley is not the right person, but the, those elitists, those people who hate Donald Trump more than they love this country are propping her up because they want to tell us that if she's the candidate against Joe Biden, she can win. We've heard this time and time again. Your viewers are too smart. They know who the real Nikki Haley is. And if you don't know, just go look at the people from South Carolina who've all endorsed Donald Trump, from Henry McMaster to Alan Wilson. Everybody who knows Nikki Haley the best has said, we will be with Donald Trump because they know what she's capable of and they know who the real Nikki Haley is and they don't want to see her in elective office ever again. No, I certainly don't. I wish we could see less of Nikki Haley. And I covered this, you know, last week and, and I've been talking about it a lot on Twitter, but the governor's Sununu, okay, I, I can't stand these canned photos of him and her standing around ski lodges or him and her eating corn dogs or whatever it is. I've just had my fill of it. And it's so tacky to me and it's so disingenuous. And I don't know if it's working in New Hampshire. The polls would suggest maybe it is. But I know it's a different state. On the scope of things, though, besides being second, does New Hampshire really matter that much? Well, it, it matters because you have to be a retail politician. You have to come and see the people here. People are, you know, in, in the home state of New Hampshire are used to meeting candidates four, five, six, seven times. It, so the, the media purchases in New Hampshire are less important than the day-to-day you know, operation, your ground game. And that's going to matter on election day. We saw it in 2016 when Donald Trump was in a 15-way race and got 35% of the vote and nobody else came close. And we're going to see it here again. But the narrative continues to be, and, and this is a very dangerous expectations game, that Nikki Haley's now in second place. She's now really Donald Trump's only competition. Let's see what happens next Monday night in Iowa. And then let's see if Ron DeSantis stays in the race. Let's see what happens with with Chris Christie and Vivek and Asa Hutchison here in my home state of New Hampshire. There's one thing that every pundit agrees to, and that Donald Trump is the runaway front runner for the Republican nomination this cycle. And so let's see how big of a margin he wins by. The expectation game is a very dangerous one. Look, what's going to happen is even if Nikki happens to do well in my home state of New Hampshire, she's not participating in the Nevada caucuses, which is next. And she is going to lose her home state of South Carolina. And then we go to Super Tuesday and the race is over. There is a very real scenario that by Super Tuesday, Donald Trump has secured enough delegates that he will be the de facto nominee. And then you will see that team consolidate everyone behind them and move forward to defeat Joe Biden. Uh, I mean, it remains to be seen. I think Iowa is going to be interesting. I don't think Nikki Haley is going to come in second. I think Ron DeSantis is going to shore that up. I actually wouldn't be surprised if Ron DeSantis did far better than people expected of him. I think he's been putting the work in in Iowa. Last thing I want to talk to you about, though, is <laughs> this Fannie Willis stuff. Okay. Oh. Uh, 
This is, to me, uh, it's funny. Um, it's funny, but not so much when you consider the implications of it. But for people that are unaware, I'll just sum it up briefly. Hiring her boo um, to be the prosecutor against Donald Trump. He then goes to the Biden White House, but also she's paying him a crap ton of money via Georgia taxpayers. And then he's taking her on Royal Caribbean cruises and to Napa. I mean, you, you just can't make this stuff up. But correct me if I'm wrong, Corey, I don't think anything's going to happen to old Fanny. I think she's going to get away with it because the record would show us that Democrats get away with everything. They really do. But, you know, Tommy, what, what your listeners and viewers have to understand is it's almost five hundred thousand dollars of taxpayer money that has gone to her boyfriend and the only reason we're finding out about it is because her boyfriend who by the way is married has her, fanny got subpoenaed in the divorce trial so she has to sit for a deposition to talk about the money that she's paid her boyfriend who's then taken her on these lavish cruises that she's brought on board to prosecute donald trump and she just said look if you remember her her outrageous press conference, it doesn't matter who this person is. We go after everybody. Bl ju uh, justice is blind. Well, it's blind if you're giving a guy 500 large to take you to Napa and to take you on a cruise and work on your tan. I mean, it's outrageous. And by the way, other than you and a very select few, nobody's talking about this. This wasn't the lead on the New York Times today that says Fannie Pay's boyfriend $500,000 to prosecute Trump. None of it, because the mainstream media will never tell that story. It makes them look bad. It makes her look like the buffoon that she really is and how politically motivated that prosecution is in Georgia. Probably no accountability for it. I wouldn't be surprised, and I don't think your viewers will be either. Is this going to get thrown out, though, given this? I mean, is there a case to be made here that not only should she step down, but that this whole thing should be thrown out? Because that's how this came up in the first place. But do you think that that reaches the finish line? Look, I'm not an attorney. Uh, I would say this. There has to be some statute there that shows a clear conflict of interest that the Trump campaign or the Trump team will be able to go and show, listen, we've got a prosecutor who has to be removed for prosecutorial misconduct. Uh, we've got a district attorney who's prosecuting with inside knowledge of this. And by the way, you mentioned it. This all leads back to the White House. We know that this prosecutor went to the White House to have conversations about going after Donald Trump. So this this snake has many heads to it. We cut one off. Another one pops back up. Donald Trump was in court yesterday. He's continuing to fight these allegations and the, this nonsense every single day. And I think you know, and, and this is a bold statement. I think he's coming out tougher and stronger because of it. The American people love a fighter, and that's why they're going to send him back to the White House. And I promise this will be my last question, but I, I just thought of it. Um, First Lady, former First Lady Melania Trump, we know that she just lost her mother. Um, obviously, really a hard time for her and for the family. But now that she's going through that grieving process, there's been a lot of questions about where is Melania. I think that that probably answers a lot of them. She was taking care of her mother. But now that this is kind of um, she's in the grieving process, now that her mother has passed away, are we going to see Melania Trump out on the campaign trail as we did in 2016, as we did in, in 2020 or ahead of 2020? Well, I will say this, Melania and her parents have been extremely close. As you know, they uh, spent a lot of time in Washington, D.C., and then they moved down to Palm Beach when the Trumps moved down there. And so this is a big loss, and our prayers go out to her. She was young. She was only 73 years old, I think. So um, Melania and Barron were very close to her mom. 
And so this is a tough time for that family. And, and the president talked about that a little bit. We're going to get past this. But, you know, the one thing that your viewers have to really understand is that Melania is such a strong presence behind the scenes. Even if we don't see her out forward facing, her knowledge, her understanding of what's going on is always ever present at the campaign. When she speaks, people listen and they execute. She she is very selective, my experience has been, when she chooses to weigh in on matters but when she does weigh in, you better pay attention because she's incredibly astute of what's taking place. Her advice has been always spectacular, and she's a major asset to the campaign. I think as the um, convention gets closer, you'll see more of her out on the campaign trail. And I wouldn't be surprised if she just delivers uh, an amazing speech at the convention come this uh, this summer. Yeah, I certainly hope so, because it's been a noticeable absence, Melania and Ivanka, not being around the former president. Uh, unfortunately, that leaves a lot of space for rumors to say there's trouble in paradise or that the women in his life don't back him, don't support him anymore. So I think we need to see certainly Melania, but it would nice be nice to see Ivanka as well back out and, and making a forward-facing presence because I think that that would help the former president a lot, especially with women, which he needs to win with women. So I'm hoping that we're going to see both of them Corey, thank you so much for your time, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Can't wait to see how next Monday shakes out. You bet. Thank you. Thanks, Corey. All right. Y'all ready to get more pissed off on top of providing free health care to illegals? California will also cover their sex changes. Oh, yeah. You know I have some final thoughts. would you take a look at that? It's not a third world country. It's actually the fifth largest economy in the entire world. California led straight into the ground by Sir Greasy Tyrant Governor Gavin Newsom. The once Golden State is facing a budget deficit of $68 billion. So you'd think Gavin and pals would be looking to tighten up their purse strings on the spending. But no, you can't tighten up the spending belt when millions of people who have no legal right to be here are depending on their perks and privileges they did not earn and have no right to collect. But as we should well know by now, nothing is illegal in California. Not illegal immigration, not shoplifting, not drug use, not public defecation, or really anything else. Oh, except for moms and parks or lone surfers during COVID, of course. But as for actual illegal activity or illegals themselves, why rain on their parade, right? No, instead, California, or more accurately, California taxpayers, will be covering the full scope of Medi-Cal benefits for illegals. And even rapper 50 Cent thinks it's BS, and he's damn right. You know, it's going to cost taxpayers around $3.1 billion, and it's $3.1 billion taxpayers cannot afford? But if you thought this care was limited to emergency room or pregnancy care, well, think again, because it's California after all. So right on brand, this Medi-Cal expansion to cover roughly 700,000 illegals will also cover, drum roll please, their sex changes. I kid you not. According to the Medi-Cal memo, this will cover costs for hormone therapy, procedures, and even ancillary services such as hair removal. Excuse me if I don't shed a single tear over illegal immigrants with body hair incongruent with their gender identity. You can thank Gavin Newsom for that one. Break the law, invade here illegally, you win food, shelter, possibly a cell phone, or even a damn sex change. So work harder, Americans, because gender-confused illegals are depending on you. 
And those are my final thoughts from Nashville. God bless and take care.